1: Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live down the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will continue to discuss the question, Who is the Antichrist? We will be studying what the Bible teaches. Our guest speaker is based in Maryland, In the United States of America. More about our guest after we've had some music.
2: And sing when I pause to remember a heartache here is but a stepping stone along a trail that's winding always upwards this troubled world is not my final home, but until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with the joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold that city. Till the day God calls me home. The things of earth, they will dim and lose their value when we recall their borrowed form of while And the things of earth that caused our hearts to tremble, remembered then they will only bring a smile, but until then. And okay. Harry
1: Who is the Antichrist? We will continue to discuss this question tonight with Elder Ray DeCardo. Have a pen and paper ready to write down some notes. Let's now call Elder Ricardo and see if he is available.
3: Hello,
0: Hello. good evening.
1: Elder DiCardo, you are live on Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. How are you this evening, Elder DiCardo?
3: I'm fine, John.
1: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glad to hear so. Well, Elder DiCardo, tonight we will be discussing these questions together. Is the Pope of Rome the Antichrist? Do other Christian churches have the spirit of Antichrist? What plans has the Antichrist for the world today? Why has, God ne- Sorry, why has God not yet destroyed the Antichrist? And how can we escape this Antichrist system today? So Elder Ricardo, before we di- start the discussion tonight, should we have a word of prayer, please?
3: Mm. Our Father in Heaven, we come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Through our mighty Lord and savior. And his merits alone that we find access to the throne of God. Now we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will bless us on our time together that the subject at hand will be discussed in a proper manner. And that we might learn the truth as it is in Jesus and that Lord, we might have hearts that will follow. Now through Christ, once more, forgive us of our sins and bless us now, we pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon John and I and be with our listeners, we ask now in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Elder DiCardo, is the Pope of Rome the Antichrist?
3: You know, this is a question that has been asked me often when I've uh, gone forth to do evangelistic uh, crusades uh, throughout the world. It's very interesting uh, when we discuss the issue of the Antichrist. Often this question, uh, as I said, comes up, and the the question is a, really a yes and a no. Yes, <laughs> I know it sounds kind of, you know, people say, "What do you, What does that mean?" Yes. Well, let me let me share with you. If we go to Daniel chapter seven. Uh, because this is where it, it, there's two key texts I want to share with you. One's in Daniel seven, the others in Second Thessalonians chapter two. Uh, but in Daniel chapter seven, it's it, it, here and starting in verse seven. But we're going to focus on verse eight. And verse seven mm-hmm. is talking about the fourth beast. Uh, this this uh, which is pagan Rome. Uh, has great iron teeth it breaks in pieces stamps the residue with the feet of it it's diverse from all the beasts that were before it and had 10 horns of course this again describing the nature of the pagan roman empire but then it continues on it says i considered the horns John, this is daniel looking at the vision yeah. and he says now i'm focused on these horns he said behold there came up among them another little horn now that's little horn is the Antichrist of Bible prophecy? There's no question about it. It's the same yes. as the first beast of Daniel, or Revelation 13. It's the man of sin of Second Thessalonians. It's the, uh, the Babylonian whore, Revelation 17, and we yes. could go down the list. So this is the same power. Now, what it goes on to say is, says I, 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 um, uh, I considered the little horn, and before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and again he uprooted three of the original ten which is another identifying mark. But notice now carefully the description of the little horn. Behold, in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of of man, and a mouth speaking great things. It's interesting that it talks about how he would have the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. And then we come to our second text in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, where it talks about there would come a falling away first. And and let me read it to you very carefully there, because I don't want any of our listeners to miss out on this point. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, referring to the second coming of Jesus, shall not come except there uh, come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So twice you find from one from Paul, the other from Daniel, the issue regarding Antichrist described as a man. What? Now, what do what does the scripture teach about that? It's not necessarily an individual, but rather a succession of individuals who head up the system known as Antichrist. Yes. In other words, this leader is the a a figurative head he's a representative so that when you see him you see the system so he represents that system so the bible teaches that the antichrist is the papal system but that the pope would be the head of the system and because he's the head of that system he represents that institution so that when you see him you see the institution itself and so that's the true essence of that meeting so is he uh, the Antichrist, and in a technical sense, yes, but not 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 uh, uh, just him alone. It's what he represents.
1: Yes, Amen to that. That's very succinctly said, um, Elder Ricardo. And as um, in our previous radio show, we had discussed this matter again, going <laughs> through the Bible text, and so listeners, as Elder Ricardo has said, it's not the man <clears throat> alone. It is not the Pope who alone He is not the Antichrist alone It's the system that he represents That's what Elder mm. DiCarlo basically is stating So let, it make, let us make that clear And um, so that being the case now, Elder DiCarlo Because we've looked at the system, the papal system But do other Christian churches have the spirit of Antichrist?
3: Uh, that's really, really interesting question. I found that one to be an, an, a really intriguing. What about the other churches regarding the nature of the spirit of Antichrist? Not yes. that they are Antichrist, but that they possess the spirit of Antichrist. Is that th- is that true or not? Well, l- if we staying right in Second Thessalonians, let's just stay there for a moment. Right. If you look at Second Thessalonians chapter two verse three again, now he's talking. Paul's talking about the second coming. There is mis... A misunderstanding regarding the nature of this issue. And Paul wants to clear it up. And as he said, let no man deceive you by any means. So obviously some people were misleading others regarding this issue. And he says for that day, meaning the second coming, shall not come except there come a falling away first. So obviously it is now very clear there is going to be a falling away. Uh, a departing from the faith. Now, if you if you turn with me quickly, the first uh, Timothy chapter four, yes. in verse one, he says, "Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times or the last days, some shall depart from the faith, and that phrase actually means in the Greek it means apostasy." Yes, uh, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So we now know, just based on two scriptures that Paul has made reference to regarding the last days before the second coming of Jesus, that within the Christian churches, there would be a falling away, an apostasy. Now, there's a progression of that uh, that has taken place. Uh, And let me explain. First, we have the falling away, the the gradual uh, apostasy that that was building up. In the early uh, uh, ages of, of uh, the Christian church, the dark ages, it began to get worse and worse. And then, of course, the, uh, the whole period of the 1260-year uh, time frame yes. uh, from 538 to 1798, uh, we have all of this. One of the things that the formation of the Protestant churches, one of the biggest mistakes they fell into was uh, uh, the issue of creedalism. They formed creeds. Yes. Um, and this is a dangerous position. Uh, the reason being is that when a, a group of people form a creed, uh, listing uh, th- uh, the basic premise of uh, what they believe and therefore based on this series of of, cr- of uh, individual doctrinal beliefs, which constitutes their creed, that's what defines them. Um, the problem is that uh, limits you in regard to the investigation of the Word of God, because your creed now says, unless you believe this, you can't be a particular member of this church or that group.
1: Yes, yeah, When
3: the, the, the Christian's creed is the Holy Bible, Amen. Not, not a series of, of listed doctrines. The Bible is our creed. And so we're always to be investigating and searching and expanding our understanding. And then the third thing, which is very fascinating, and people don't – or a second thing, I should say um, – no, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry, it is the third thing uh, – is the Oxford movement, movement, which is a very interesting event in the history of the Christian Church. Very few people know the history
4: yes.
3: or the event, uh, but that is a fascinating account of what happened, of the – again, the continuation of the apostasy, but it accelerated to another degree. And then the fourth uh, element uh, that came into play in terms of the spirit of Antichrist infiltrating the Christian churches was the ecumenical movement. So when you look at those four events, the falling away, creedalism, the Oxford movement. And then the ecumenical movement, you find that there is a, w- without a doubt, a, a a spirit that exists within the antichrist system that has infiltrated the Christian churches. Now, let me explain. If you go with me to Revelation seventeen,
4: yes. and
3: this will this will clear it up very clearly. Speaking of the this is um, in verses one to five. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to give our readers the all the. Uh, scripture, so they can go back and read it in context. Uh, But if you focus with me here in verse 5, speaking of the whore of Babylon, this again is the Antichrist, and it says, Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the Mother of Harlots, and Abominations of the Earth. So, the Antichrist has daughters, Mother of Harlots, she has daughters, and a woman in Bible prophecies a church. So, what churches then are following the anti Christian system? And one of the key doctrines of the anti Christian system, if you go to with me here, this is very fascinating, by the way, in the scriptures in in um, John. Let's look here in the Epistle of John. We're looking now at First John chapter two. First John chapter two, and we want to look at verse. 18 says little children it is the last time or it's the last days he's describing what's going to happen he says and as uh, you have heard that antichrist shall come even now there are many antichrists whereby you may know it's the last time then he says in verse 19 he says they went out from us he says but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have no doubt have continued with us but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not at all of us oh. so he's saying here we that there, there are those who are taking up the spirit of antichrist they were amongst at one time a part of the christian church they've fallen away and now now they've been revealed for who they really are now we go over to second john and we look here in second john chapter one and you go to verse seven and here's the key this is the real crux of the matter he says this for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is the deceiver and an Antichrist, not the Antichrist, but an Antichrist. So obviously, one of the creedal uh, doctrines uh, of Antichrist is that Jesus Christ did not come in the fallen nature of man. Uh, And so this is why the Catholic Church invented the... uh, the uh, what is known as the immaculate conception, yes, um, the virgin birth of uh, of Christ in terms of the way they define it, and uh, and of course many of the Christian churches today have adopted that that theory, uh, yes. and that's just one. That's just one. But the, but but uh, this is uh, some of the things. So do they have the spirit of Antichrist? I I would have to say that a lot of them do. There's no doubt about it that many in the Christian churches today, when you look at the Christian churches, they have fallen by the wayside. Um, So, yes, I I would have to say yes.
1: Yes. Yes, thank you, Elder DiCardo. And listeners, I would also like to pick up on what Elder Ricardo has said about the Oxford movement. Now, for those of you who don't know, and you can find this in Britannica.com, The Oxford movement was a 19th century movement centered at the University of Oxford that sought a renewal of Catholic or Roman Catholic thought and practice within the Church of England in opposition to the Protestant tendencies of the Church. Now this movement had a major effect upon the Church of England as its adherents spread among Anglican believers and this led to anti-Christian doctrines being taught and anti-Christian Bibles being translated that deny the divinity of Christ. Now, two men called West and Hall, they were disciples of this movement. Now, they actually got involved in Bible translations, and they used corrupt Greek manuscripts based upon the Vaticanus and Sinaiticus texts to create New Testament Bibles that reflected their own beliefs. Now, they were the original translators of the NIV and Jehovah's Witnesses Bibles, all of which denied the divinity of Christ. And I'm going to give some quotes and some, some examples. This is all just to add um, validity to what's being shared on the radio station tonight. Now, regarding Westcott and Hort, we read from a book called Our Authorized Version Vindicated, both rejected the atonement of the substitution of Christ for the sinner, or vicarious atonement both denied the death of Christ counted for anything as an atoning factor and they emphasized the atonement through the incarnation this is the Catholic doctrine it defends the mass so both Westcott and Hort who were affected by the Oxford movement they had denied they had rejected the atonement of the substitution of Christ for the sinner and they denied that the death of Christ counted for anything as an atoning factor and that's the spirit of Antichrist, you see. Now, adding more weight to the evidence here, now I'm going to give you two examples of how their Bible translation teaches Antichristian doctrine. Now, in, if you look at your Bibles and you go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9, and you have a King James Version, it reads, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world have been, get, have been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So the King James Version states that God created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, the translations that Westcott and Hort had put together states for this text, this is the New World Translation and the NIV Version. It says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So you see, the NIV version of the Bible leaves out the truth that God created all things by Jesus Christ, thus denying Christ of his office of God, which he holds with the Father and the Holy Ghost. And I'm just going to give you one more example before Elder DiCardo carries on. This is again to add weight to the evidence of what we're sharing with you tonight that the spirit of Antichrist is not just in the papacy, but it's, it's, been, it's manifest in other churches through men who have taken on these Antichristian doctrines. Now, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, in the King James Version it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, Believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now, in the NIV version, uh, or the New World Translation version, the version used by Jehovah's Witnesses, it says, beyond all question, the mystery of a godliness is great. It says, he appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. And so we see again that the NIV version of the Bible and the New World Translation takes away Christ's rightful office as God. In this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it just says, He was manifested in a body. He can be any man. And it does not denote whether he is human or divine, who was manifest as the mystery of godliness. So we see that Satan has inspired men not only in the Catholic Church, but also many in other professed Christian churches have the spirit of Antichrist. They do not exalt him as God, but they deny him and oppose him by not declaring to the world who he really is and what he did when he came as a human being to save the human race today. That being the case with this spirit, sadly they are the representatives of Satan. So now, moving on, Elder De Carlo, handing back to you tonight, what plans is the Antichrist of the world today?
3: You know, that's a very interesting one because when you start to really contemplate that question, uh, you know, you have to go to the book of Revelation. And uh, Revelation 13, it really is the crux. What, what is it all about? In other words, when you're looking at this issue, you know, what is Satan planning? What is he trying to do? I mean, why, is, uh, why did he even create the Antichrist Yes. um there has to be a purpose in why satan uh formed this system of apostasy and corruption and when you look at revelation 13 and i want to encourage our listeners to read uh the entire chapter it's only 18 verses and it describes two beasts uh the first beast no question is the antichrist of bible prophecy and uh, and uh, we also know that the second beast here is a critical partner in the role it will play regarding the issue of uh, of uh, what the plans are yes. really for the world. There's no question about it. Let me read to you, first of all, Revelation 13. And uh, and let's look at verse three, Revelation thirteen three. Let's look yes. at the this uh, verse here, speaking of the Antichrist. I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and that, of course, referring to the deadly wound of seventeen ninety eight. Um, and he says, and his deadly wound was healed. The process of the healing began in nineteen twenty nine, but that process is continuing. It's still going, ongoing um and then it says and all the world wondered after the beast so this is a very fascinating phrase uh, because it talks about a time when the world is going to follow after the antichrist now you may say today well i'll never do that and let's pray to god that that is true however dear friends remember this um uh, you, you know as john has Uh, so well articulated the issue of the spirit of antichrist uh you know you don't have to be a member of the of the uh, of the of the church of antichrist to take up the spirit of antichrist Um, and so you can uh, by false indoctrination uh, by having the wrong spirit or character um, manifest the attributes of the antichrist and so uh, the Bible says the day is coming when all the world's going to wonder after the beast. And there's no question as to uh, uh, the issue of whether or not that's going to happen. Dear friends, it's, it's going to happen. The question is only a matter of when. And I might add that based on the uh, signs of the times, I cannot help but think that we are clearly on, on our way. Uh, To see this being fulfilled right before our very eyes. But now, if you look with me in Revelation 13, verse 11. and And it says, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. He exercises all the power of the first beast that was before him. So, obviously, that first beast referring to the Antichrist. But notice now, this second beast exercises all the power that the first beast possessed. And it's very interesting if you study the nature of the power of the first beast, meaning the Antichrist, you find that it's a religio-political power. Yes. It's not just a religious institution. This is a misunderstanding that many have regarding the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is a as much of a political system as it is a religious system. And it's an integral aspect to, to its nature. Um, And so he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and notice the the language, and causeth, that word in the Greek means, to force, to compel against one's will, and the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And this is the plan that Satan has, and he's going to use the Catholic Church and the second beast power as a means by which to achieve his objective in getting everybody to follow after the beast. Uh, and so he's, in, but it's fascinating if you, yeah. as I say, look back at this in verse 12. He, uh, it's his, he's going to cause, he's going to force, which means people aren't going to willfully go along. So he's going to make them do it. And one of the ways in which you get people to fall in line is you scare them. You f- you bring fear. Fear is a motivating factor.
4: Yes.
3: Uh, it can motivate you to do things you would not uh, uh, do under normal circumstances. So, uh, And just to prove that, if you go with me to verse 15, speaking again of this second beast, he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast, should be what should be killed so that's a fear that's a motivating factor why many people are going to go along they're going to they be afraid to die which is un ununder- it's understandable but uh, the, the the satan remember friends he doesn't love you he hates you and he, and what he is trying to do is to destroy as many as he can and uh, he is using uh the catholic system as a means by which to deceive the masses. And the apostate fallen churches of Christianity have the same spirit as that of Rome. And they're going along and they're working together. And the Bible says that one day all the world will wonder after the beast and that they will go uh, about uh, using fear and the, the threat of death to bring this about so is there a plan does satan have something ready yes now i will say this just as satan has a plan for the world so god has a plan for the world and let me tell you dear friends the lord is not uh slack concerning his promises he is not going to allow satan just to do as he pleases god has a plan and he's going to outsmart and outfox Satan in every turn. And God's people who love him, who truly love him, as Jesus said, the sheep who love him, who hear, they will hear his voice and they will follow him. And so let me tell you, dear friends, this is why it's imperative that you spend quality time in the word of God, that you spend quality time in prayer and that you do everything you can to share your faith. Oh, friends, listen to me. We're living in trying times, and there's not a doubt. Dear friends, what's been happening the last couple of years is nothing more than a dry run for what is to be. Yes. You, you are going to see things that are going to absolutely stagger the human mind. But don't lose hold of Jesus Christ. Friends, Satan has a plan, but so does God. Stay close to Jesus, and you can't go wrong.
1: Amen, Elder DeCarno. And Elder Ricardo, this now moves us on nicely to, why has God not yet destroyed the Antichrist?
3: You know, when I uh, thought about that question, I thought, you know, that is a fascinating, really, it truly is intriguing, because why hasn't he? You know, if it's such an iniquitous, devilish, uh, sinister institution, you know, why hasn't he just simply blotted it out altogether? and I, and I was led to you know prayerfully in prayerfully in meditation over this and I'm going to tell you in Isaiah 55 yeah. and this is what God says because you know we we have ideas and plans and and thoughts in regarding how we think things should be but that's how we feel that's how we think this these you know that's our thoughts but Isaiah 55, 8, this is God saying He said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, you know, it's really, uh, we have to understand that God has a plan, and he's operating on that plan regarding the nature of the issue of sin and all that it revolves around that, which includes Satan. It includes the Antichrist, it includes so many other issues. And so God is working out His divine will, His divine purpose uh, in these issues. As a matter of fact, it, what's interesting, if you go to Second Peter, this is another fascinating passage
4: yes.
3: uh, that is uh, really uh, pertinent to the issue at hand, because you begin to see how God is orchestrating things. In other words, you can then begin to understand that, the Lord has something in mind. That there's something there that He's doing that is uh, uh, critical to the operation of of uh, of the issue of the Antichrist, and not just the Antichrist, but of all the other issues in, at hand. Look what it says here: Second Peter, Second um, Peter, Chapter Three, and we're looking now here at verse uh, eight and nine. 2 Peter three, eight and nine. He says this, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, let's stop just there for a moment and let's analyze that. What he's really saying is time's not relevant to God. There's no such thing as a time in heaven. Heaven is eternal. Uh, Time can only be measured when you have a starting point and a finishing point. So there's a start in the beginning. Or a start and an ending. And so uh, God is saying to us, we on this earth, we measure time. God doesn't measure time. What seems so long to us is but a, 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 just a moment of time with God. So a thousand years to God is just like a day to us. Yes. So uh, that's very critical because what he's saying is God is a patient God. God is an enduring God. We tend to be impatient. And, it's, and, and and in both aspects, it's understandable regarding certain issues. However, the Lord is trying to teach us something. He says this in verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. In other words, he isn't lackadaisical. What he has promised will come to pass. Yes, And God will destroy the Antichrist. Make no mistake about it. The lake of fire was created for Satan and his angels, not for us. Um, but, uh, sadly to say, some people will, um, not repent of their sins and they will reap the consequences. So God, the God is saying, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness or regard, uh, you know, s- slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So in other words, the reason God is, is, uh, you know, um, uh, hasn't destroyed Antichrist and and this anti Christian system, um, you know, at at, a, at the time we would think or the you know the manner in which we think he should do it is because God has a divine plan and that divine plan includes everybody in this world. He's not willing that any should perish. He so God is going to be long suffering towards it all, and He wants to lead as many as He can into the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and so there's no question about it. God is going to do everything he can to save as many as he can. So it's imperative for us to remember that to, to just trust in the Lord, lean not to our own understandings, but in all our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct you accordingly. So God will help you. But listen, dear friends, uh, even though the Satan has a plan. Uh, and uh, God has a plan as well, and that and there is a bigger picture involved that we have to see. God is operating from a divine principle, and He's going to deal with this sin issue once and for all, as Nahum one nine says, when it's all been said and done, God is finished, and the destruction of the wicked, uh, Satan's sin, He says, it says affliction, meaning sin, and the controversy shall not arise a second time. It's over. In other words, God's going to make sure when he's done, this issue of sin will never come back again to the universe, to which I say, amen, amen, amen.
1: Amen. And listeners, the question that I pose to you tonight is, have you come to repentance? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Are you in a saving relationship with your God? Mm. And when I say your God, I mean the true God, the God of the universe. Because it's fine for us to talk about the Antichrist system. And it's fine for you even to talk about the Antichrist system with your friends, with your neighbors, even with, could be church brethren. But what's the point of talking about the system that is the enemy of God when, if, God forbid, we haven't escaped the system ourselves, see? And so this is really quite a serious matter. And I'd just like to emphasize this point that God is, as we've just shared and as Elder Ricardo has shared, the reason why God has not destroyed the system yet is because simply he's waiting for you and I to come to repentance. But it's not gonna be forever. It's not going to be forever, listeners. So let us take this to heart and let us do honour to the God of love as he patiently waits for us. Which moves us on now to our final questions for this evening. How can we escape this Antichrist system today?
3: Well, once again, it's going to work perfectly with what your comments have been, uh, because when you look at this issue of how we escape, first of all, we know that God wants us to escape this system. Revelation 18, 1 to 5, yes. makes that very, very clear. This is the, the fourth angel's message of Revelation. That accompanies the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, uh, 6 to 12. And if, you, if our readers will carefully read those three angels' messages, they are loaded with uh, warning and admonition yes. and, and encouragement and along the way. Uh, as I said, but this message here in Revelation 18 accompanies the three angels' And notice what he says here in verse 4. This is, uh, he said, I heard the voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, meaning out of the fall. This is the fall of Babylon. This is the whore. This is the mother of harlots. This is the Antichrist. And God is saying to come out of her. So we know God doesn't want you to stay in the Antichristian system, whether it be the Antichrist itself or the daughters of of babylon god wants you to come out even of all the paganized religious systems of the world babylon means confusion and it's not just confusion within the Christian uh uh, community it's all uh the uh, systems uh that are false and 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 misleading and god wants us to come out of them and, and he, so he says, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. So there's a clear cut message of an invitation by God, a pleading, a, an urging to come out of the anti-Christian system. So the question is, though, on the, how, do, how do we really go about doing that? Yes. Well, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, and I think this will really help you because here Jesus gives us an invitation. And look what he says here in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. 28, he says, come unto me. Now, I want to stop right there. He did not say come to your pastor. He didn't say come to your denomination. He didn't say come to your church committee or church board or come to any other system. He said, come to me. Salvation is not found in a church. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And I don't know how to stress this enough. Friends, salvation is in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Come to me, and he qualifies who they are, all you that are laboring and are heavy laden with burdens and cares, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we have an invitation. By the fourth angel of Revelation 18, the appeal to come out of Babylon, we then have an invitation by Jesus Christ. When you come out, come to him, not to another denomination in terms of, you know, thinking that's the answer. Listen, the answer is Jesus, not a pastor, not a committee. Mm -hmm. And so he says, come to me, come to me. Now watch what happens when you come to Jesus, right? Look at this, John chapter 8 go over to John the Gospel of John chapter 8 and here we're going to find the answer what happens when we come to Jesus we come out of Babylon and we come to Jesus just as we are what is Jesus going to do for us what what he says in John 836 John 836 he said if the son therefore shall make you free you shall be free indeed Amen and so that's that's how you escape. Dear friends, you escape by coming to Jesus, by surrendering your heart to him, by by repenting of your sins. Friends, there isn't a person on this earth who hasn't said something, done something, thought something that they're not ashamed of in some form of fashion. All of us have to understand, we're, according to Romans chapter 1, we are all sinners in the eyes of God. What do I mean by that? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all done wrong. So no one's better than the next person. So no one can sit there and say, well, I'm better than you. No, mm-hmm. dear friends, we're all in need of a savior. We need Jesus Christ to help us to come out of this life of confusion and bewilderment. Let me say something to you very clearly, and I hope our readers will, the listeners will please listen. Friends, it's one thing for you to come out of Babylon. It's another thing to get the Babylon out of you. Amen. And I want to encourage you, friends, give your heart to Jesus Christ. Trust in him, and he will not only get you out of Babylon, but he'll get the Babylon out of you as well.
1: Amen. Aldo de Carlo, we'll have a break with some music and we'll come back with some closing thoughts.
4: i the... Say hey.
1: Who is the Antichrist? Order Ricardo, closing thoughts this evening, please.:
3: Well, tonight we looked at a very um, interesting series of questions regarding the nature of the Antichrist. And as we've discussed before the previous week, we see how that this system um, really poses a threat uh, to the uh, gospel truth. And the message uh, that the Bible uh, portrays regarding salvation and so many other issues. However, uh, despite the fact that this system exists, uh, God in his mercy uh, and kindness is working out his will and his plan. That uh, in order that people may respond to his calling to come out of Babylon. So the invitation is given to everybody. And that's, again, the reason uh, why we are doing what we're doing here today is to appeal to the people who are listening and who may listen to this wonderful message to consider uh, the invitation that Christ is giving, come out of her, my people. Jesus is the only way. He's the only hope that we have in this world. You'll never find peace and happiness. And I mean in the truest sense now. You're never going to find true peace and happiness. And uh, unless you uh, unless you give your heart to Christ, and so I want to leave our, our our listeners with that appeal of surrendering all to Jesus, because there is no other hope outside of Christ.
1: Amen. Aldo DiCado, do you mind closing off this this discussion this evening with a word of prayer?
3: Yes. Our Father in heaven, once again we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you first and foremost for everything. You've been very kind and compassionate towards us. We ask that, dear Lord, you continue to watch over us and protect us. Lord, even though the Bible speaks of these uh, fascinating events that will transpire in the last days regarding the nature of the Antichrist, the three angels message, the fourth angel, uh, where it calls people to come out of Babylon. Help us, dear Lord, to do our part and to be faithful and true to the very end. Now, once more, dear Lord, please bless us and keep us. Bless the listeners, dear Father, we pray. And God once again thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Aldo DiCarlo, thank you once again for joining us on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org. Or you can send a text message to 07944 062786. If you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address, and we will send you a free tract called The Antichrist. Those who are living outside the UK can request for an electronic version to be sent to them free. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section, then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At Chapter Forty Four, you will find the subject a remarkable symbol. This chapter will give you more information about today's topic. You can also listen to and download our radio show podcasts at https://voice-in-z-wilderness.podcastpage.io. On next week's show, we will discuss the subject. Can our dead speak to us? Well, that's it for tonight's show. Until next week, good night and God bless.
0: Voice in the wilderness, internet radio. Enlightening the world every week.
1: It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here.
0: Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the
1: This congregation may never be gathered together again as we
0: see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.